part of me thinks it's like some sort of primal, like weird fear that maybe in like a past life or something I had some, yeah. something happened. Some experience. Yeah. What if you were a spider in the past life? Oh my God. Hmm. That That's wild? not Maybe possible. you just, just <laughs> disliked spiders so much because you were one. No. Vibes, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. We're here. We're doing it. This is yeah. episode 51. 51. We're over the hurdle. Hope you guys enjoyed our 50th episode. But today, we have a special guest, our very first hair and makeup artist mm-hmm. on the pod. And she was chock full of information, has an incredible story of how she even came to be where she is today that we yeah. dive into a little bit. And just a sweet person that has so much experience and knowledge and is willing to help bring up those from behind her that are trying to get into this. Mm-hmm. That's Jennifer Yates. She joined yeah. us and dropped a lot of knowledge on us. Ken. Yeah, uh, Jennifer was a fantastic guest. I mean, she, you'll listen to the episode, but, you know, as far as hair and makeup goes, she talks a lot about a part of filmmaking that I think everyone, everyone who watches films, if you've seen any film, you've seen hair and makeup. Yeah. You've seen what they, their role is very important, but they do their job so well that people think it's like, oh, you just wake up, go to set and that's it that's what people look like when they wake up in real life (laughs) what are you talking about what do you mean but no uh hair and makeup is really important and she talks about all the little bits and pieces of it how she came to be in hair and makeup uh and some key aspects of it you know she talks about her day in day out what she does as a hair and makeup artist and some things on set or at least some things about uh preconceived notions of hair and makeup but right yeah yeah but it's a really fun conversation yeah so without further ado here's jennifer we have this new segment that we love that our guests so far have seemed to love and that's the delve in 12 mm-hmm. 12 of the most deep questions the deepest questions we could come up with Yes, and we're gonna, to knowing we're gonna, someone. going to present them to you, and we're going to hopefully get some of your hot takes on these questions. We've had a lot of good answers so far, so yeah, I know you'll have even more. Question one, what is the city with the best pizza you've had, and what style? Okay, so I have to say I probably like New York pizza the best, but I do happen to like more thin crust or like um what do you call it like the brick the brick oven type pizzas yeah Yeah. so i really like pizza like that but my personal favorite 
Oh, man. I don't know. Do you have a spot in New York? No, it's been a couple of years since I've been there. I just know that I always eat pizza when I'm in New York. Yeah. 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 I lived in California for a few years, too, and there was a, a place I really liked there, too. It's like a small family-owned place called, um, I want to say it was called, like, Mama Cosa, and it was mm. bomb. It's in Anaheim. It's not too far from Disneyland. Mm. Oh, yeah. okay. Nice. Excellent. I love pizza, though. I mean, like, pizza, you, like, I, I swear wrong? it's the best. You could kill me with pizza. Like, I could know there's cyanide in pizza, and I'd still, you'd still, <laughs> still get me worth with it. it. Like, I'd still go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question two Name a movie you wish you had made. Or a movie you wish you'd been in. Oh, I know man. you're not an actor, but maybe. Oh, God. Um, so that's a tricky one because I love all movies. I definitely just recently said that I wished I was on the set of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm. I love the costumes. I love Gary Oldman so much. He's my favorite yeah. actor. Um but the costumes, I mean, just, ugh, it's mm -hmm. such a beautiful film. And also just from start to finish, I think it's like such a gorgeous piece of artwork. The music mm -hmm. is amazing. I mean, great actors. Anthony Hopkins yeah. is killer as Van Helsing. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> that's probably one of my favorite movies. I would have loved to be on that set. When nice. did that come out? Does anyone know? Oh, gosh. I want to say like 90. Five yeah, or something 90 something okay yeah but it's timeless because it's such a beautifully made movie and then on top of that the score is timeless that was francis ford coppola right yeah wow i did not know that it's just very elegantly put together and like i said i think if a, a score is made just for the film like it almost like makes it so that it's it's you can't be dated mm -hmm. it's like really mm -hmm. really well done. Yeah. That was, uh, it was in 92 and yeah, Francis Ford was wow. the director. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful film. Like I was thinking about that just recently, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I, I think I was looking through books and I saw the book for it and I was like, I remember that film. It's got some really iconic shots yeah. throughout it. Well, and that's one of the ones that the book is not as good as the movie, in my opinion. Oh, like, okay. I love, love, love. I love them both. Hot take. But I love the movie. Like, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Question three. If you could go back and change one decision in your life, what would it be? Oof. <laughs> A single decision. Cycling through everything right now. <laughs> I know. That's a tough one because, I mean, I don't have a lot of regrets. I think I've definitely lived hard and done a lot, but mm -hmm. I, gosh, I really wish I would have been more ambitious like in my early 20s, I lived in Los Angeles and had access to studios and stuff like that. I never went for films. I worked for like a film school for a while, but like I wasn't very ambitious. I was never very um, confident. Like I literally had people who were just like, you need to start, you know, considering yourself an artist because you are one. Mm -hmm. But like 
it yeah. feels like I really didn't come into my own until I was like, I don't know, probably in my thirties because I yeah. worked really hard and barely, you know, I, I didn't even charge people. I was just like doing mm-hmm. it because I loved it, but I like never thought I was any good. Right. So I wish I would have nurtured my own talents instead of constantly like promoting other people's successes maybe. And like Mm -hmm. perhaps if I could have been, if I could have had the ambition then that I have now, I could have been further along in my career Mm -hmm. at this point. I mean, not that I, you know, feel bad about that because I had a great time. (laughs) Right. But I feel like if there was anything I could change, that would probably be one of the things, especially when mm-hmm. it's, you know, comes to my career. Obviously, we all have things we might have done differently in relationships, especially mm-hmm. romantic relationships. Um, but even I don't relationships. Know about that. <laughs> well, you got lucky. <laughs> Mine all went great. <laughs> <laughs> Nervous sweat. Yeah. I, um, I think that's a, that's a good answer. I, you know, I'm feeling kind of a burn in my own sense where I am. I'm kind of like, I I need to be doing something all the time and I feel like I need to be constantly working. And, uh, sometimes I just don't know if I'm actually, if I'm working hard towards the wrong thing and I just can't see it, but it feels like it's productive. So I'm just, you know, it, I, I don't know if it's necessarily pointing me in the right direction, but I kind of I kind of understand where you're coming from when you say that. Yeah, I think we've all got at least a hint of that. <laughs> but I want to revisit that more in the interview. Mm-hmm. Question four, though, in the meantime, most irrational fear. Oh, God, that's an easy one for me. Um, ah. I am not scared of anything like at all. Okay. I, I'm super thrill seeker person that like, I love jumping out of airplanes. I love heights. I love mm-hmm. scary movies. I love everything that's like adrenaline, but okay. I'm terrified to death of spiders. Yes. How did I know? I knew you were, I knew it was spiders. <laughs> I knew it. I was going to say it. it. It doesn't make any sense. I know they're not going to hurt me. <laughs> it's just, well, most of them. I mean, yeah, most of them, but even like the <laughs> tiny ones that are like not threatening at all, they, it's mm-hmm. just something about the way that they move. It just gives me the, yeah. it's just, it's too creepy for me. Yeah. Mm-mm. And part yeah. of me thinks it's like some sort of primal, like weird fear that maybe in like a past life or something I had some, yeah. something, happened. some experience. Yeah. What if you were a spider in the past life? Oh my God. Mm. That's wild? not Maybe possible. you just... <laughs> Just disliked spiders so much because you were one. No. Your sole purpose right now on earth is to overcome that fear of yourself from past life. I've thought about getting hypnotized. (laughs) I have like really tried a lot of stuff that Mm. to get past it. But I I mean, I'm not (laughs) as bad as I used to be, but like I would Uh freeze up and just tears would run out of my eyes. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. My mom's just absolutely terrified of spiders, and I'll always make the joke every now and then, like, "Oh, what's that on your uh, what's that on your shoulder?" That's and not nice. Like it's cr- <laughs> and then she's like, she'll start freaking out, and I'm like, "I'm sorry." Yeah, I've had people like have like 
you know, like hyperventilate on set and stuff because a spider or mm. something will happen. And I'm just like, gosh, I thought I had it bad. Like I, right. I freeze up and I can't kill them because I believe in karma, but yeah. I don't have nearly that, like that mm-hmm. amount of panic. Petrified. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got you. Uh, so on a lighter note, uh, question five, eating in or dining out, which is your favorite? I, so I love both because I love like the presentation of food. I love the ritual of having like food, you know, in a certain atmosphere with friends and stuff like that. But I'm much more of a dine-in kind of person. Mm -hmm. I, I like cooking. I especially, again, like the presentation. So I love making like beautiful, beautiful, like charcuterie boards or salads or things of that nature. I actually enjoy like making like chocolate covered strawberries and things like that. And I love entertaining people at home. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's probably where I'm the most comfortable is dining in. Okay. I think it's a really lovely way to like show your affection for your significant other or friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'll be honest, I had no idea what a charcuterie board was until <laughs> I was getting married, and then that was like a thing, and I was like, "Oh, cool! It's just like a yeah platter with yeah. a bunch of different." I've I've had charcuterie, bur- uh, sh- bur- bur- charcuterie <laughs> boards in the past, and I can't define it now. So <laughs> yeah, I'll look up the definition of it in just just a second on the pod. <laughs> yeah, see, I think that even when I was younger. I didn't maybe know what a charcuterie board was, but I've always been a huge fan of cheese and yeah. fruit. Oh. So pretty much mm-hmm. I always was making yeah, charcuterie it was always boards there. for parties. <laughs> I just didn't know that that's what the proper name was right. until mm-hmm. like probably a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Deep dive here. Question six. What do you think the meaning of life is? Um, well, I don't know what the meaning of life is, but I think that the philosophy I try to live by is just practicing compassion and love in my everyday. Like I, I'm not much for organized religion, to be honest. I Mm -hmm. am a very spiritual person, but I have like a kind of a bad past with organized religion but i Mm -hmm. definitely think that 100 percent of like what most religions teach is is you know like correct it's just not (laughs) it's not always um done properly presented Mm -hmm. properly um but i think that if you practice compassion with everybody that you connect with that you're doing right by humankind in general um And so I think the meaning of life is to connect, to show empathy and compassion for everyone that you come in contact with. And it's hard and you have to be patient and you have to be forgiving. But I think if you live your life that way, then you won't have any regrets in, you know, in the end. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and I do think that like, we're all put here to teach each other lessons and to help each other along. And we all have a struggle, maybe some of us more than others, but we all struggle. And the Mm -hmm. point of us connecting with each other is 
that, you know, helping and nurturing each other and being compassionate to each other. So I think that's really the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like, uh, yeah, that's a really good answer. Oh, well, thanks. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just being honest. I totally don't know (laughs) what's the meaning of life, but I I, I think it, I think it does. Yeah. Shift between person to person. So it's, it's a very flexible answer, but at the same time, I think it's a very fundamental thing that you're uh, getting at, which I think is really nice. I think if you just live your life by those rules, you can't really go too wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're back in high school. Oh, it's God. the night of the a- annual talent show. What do you do? Well, okay, a couple things. Oh, shoot. Multi-talented. Ah, nice. No, <laughs> I'm saying a couple <laughs> things because I really didn't go to high school. <laughs> oh, Okay. okay. Did you do the homeschool thing? No, I actually left home when I was 14. Mm-hmm. Really? I went back only to get my GD when I turned 16. Um, and so I definitely have like a peculiar story. I was just ready to get a start on my life. I started working in salons when I was 16. Mm-hmm. So I basically moved out of my mom's house and started in salons. So I always say that, you know, they kind of raised me. Mm-hmm. But if I was in school and if I had, you know, that confidence I was talking about that I wish I had, I would sing. I love to sing jazz mm. and like it's what really makes me super happy and feeds my soul. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, but again, I also have severe, severe stage fright. So that's all a <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> but if I could, I would do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, nice. I would love to hear that sometime. Yeah. Perhaps not on stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, question eight. You're caught in the movie Groundhog Day. What song do you wake up to every morning? Oh my gosh. Um I mean Bill Murray didn't get to pick I Got You Babe, did he? Um I don't it's think not. It's, is it supposed to be a song I really enjoy or is it a song I find annoying? Well, if you have to wake up every day for the rest of forever, <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to be tortured or in love? Um, gosh, that's a, that's a tricky question for me. I'm such a music fiend. I love, love, love music. So if I had to choose a song that I would hear... Hmm. Gosh, that's hard. I don't know if I can pick just one song that I'd have to hear every single day. Um, <laughs> how about... What about an artist? Well, David Bowie. Mm. So if okay. I had to pick... That's the right answer. <laughs> I love, I love, love, love David Bowie. I was going to say Life on Mars or like something from David Bowie. But mm-hmm. I guess if I could be like a variety of David Bowie for the rest of my life, that would be not so bad. That'd be great, actually. Yeah. I probably yeah, do nice. listen to David Bowie every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's your it's top artist happening. on your Spotify breakdown? I mean, it depends. I've, I've had a really rough few months. I think, you know, some of the stuff I've been through, I've had a lot of loss. Yeah. And so lately I've been really into like more of an up-tempo 
playlist. So I've been listening to mm-hmm. like a lot of R&B, a lot of Outkast mm-hmm. and Indie Ari and stuff like that yeah. because it's it's uplifting rather than like going into stuff that's just typically takes me real melancholy. <laughs> like my usual right. would be David Bowie and like Radiohead. But let's be real, that's that's a dark place to start your <laughs> day you out, right? Yeah, feel it a good yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, but I love music, so I mean my worst idea of like torture would be to not have music every day of my life. Uh, <laughs> I agree. So is it caramel or caramel? <laughs> it's caramel. Caramel. That's the way Dang. that I, I think it should be pronounced. But then like, I don't know. I think when I was really young, like one of my favorite songs was actually named Caramel and she says it like that in the song. Okay. And I was really young when I got into that song. So like probably, but also like, I feel like if you say, car, you said caramel, that, that's caramel. Like, that would be spelled like the place in California, not like the, like, you know, toffee like substance. Is there, is there mm-hmm. a place in California called Caramel? Yeah. I've been enlightened. I did not know It's that. called Carmel. So when people say Carmel, oh. I think they're saying Carmel. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I got you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, Trey, please enlighten on <laughs> the Carmel <laughs> uh, debate. <laughs> yeah. So what we've whittled it down to is it's regional. It kind of depends on generally where people were born and raised. Or I guess in your case, you get a certain song that says it a certain way, then maybe that influences it more. But yeah, in the South, I think generally it's more uh, caramel. Is that right? Caramel. (laughs) Caramel. Mm -hmm. So I got it wrong already. And I don't even remember which way I say it at this point. (laughs) Up North is... Caramel. Caramel. And well, I don't know how it is out west, but apparently I was don't get it confused say, with California. I was going to say, like, I'm from Miami. I don't think people say it either. <laughs> it's like dolce leche or mm. something like that. Ah. Well, that's an interesting kind of pressure cooker down in Miami. Because <laughs> that's just like everyone from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty big melting pot for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. Either way. Maybe neither. I don't know. <laughs> I know there are some people that are very, uh, ve- they will stand up for their way of saying caramel. Really? For Me, sure. Yeah, they are. Um, but yeah, that was just, uh, that's one of the biggest debates we've had on this podcast And this isn't so your far. super deep delving. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, it this is. This is very yes. telling. Of a person. <laughs> it's like Somehow, a, a personality test of sorts. Uh-huh. We've yes. got a calculator. It spits out results. Yeah, we're, we're not recording uh, the answers in any uh, form <laughs> of uh, calculator or uh, uh, personality <laughs> test. Definitely not. Uh, um, uh, next, next question. Uh, <laughs> uh, question 10. College. Worth it? I'm sure it depends on the person. I personally um, feel like in most cases, especially if you go into the arts, you're better off just learning 
on like learning in life. So I was always really jealous of people who got to go to film school because as you know, I was on my own from a really young age. So I could Mm -hmm. never really afford to go to school. And I was always really jealous of people and everybody that went to film school was like, don't waste your money. You're learning everything you need to know on set. Like, you know, just keep doing it. Just keep taking projects and you'll, you know, and sure enough, like, I feel like I've learned Mm-hmm. so much on set and even though I still have dreams of going back to f- film school because mm-hmm. I love everything to do with films like I really yeah. feel like you know you learn a lot more in your actual experiences so unless it's something that yeah. you really need the studies and you really need the degree like why mm-hmm. be in debt for the rest of your entire life like that sounds miserable yeah um but like i'm licensed in my field and you know i tell people all the time that want to be a makeup artist like i thought that it would take me to the next level in my career but realistically Mm -hmm. like it it hasn't done as much for me as like just me hustling my ass off you know Mm -hmm. so i spent a bunch of money to go to SDology school, which is like the study of skin, just so that I could have those credentials so that I could tell people that I'm, you know, credited, but Mm -hmm. like realistically Mm -hmm. speaking, people are way more interested in like your experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What can you do? Yeah. So it, it depends though. There's a lot of careers that I think that there's so much more that you need to learn you know more that you need to study and that's why people spend a lot of their lives in in school so you want to be a doctor if you want to be a scientist like these are things that you just need to continue to expand on your education but if Mm -hmm. you want to be an artist and you want to like really live your life like you just need to really live your life (laughs) yeah Yeah. gotta have experiences yeah and you're gonna get so much more out of like your passion for your craft than like people who are spending all their time in school. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, that's something I figured out a lot later when I was about halfway through college was honestly, (laughs) it's, it's it's a lot of who, you know, Mm -hmm. that can get you to where you want to be and what you do. So like taking those jobs and then, uh, networking and figuring out who to keep in contact with or with and try and find your way that way rather than look at a book and figure it out. Uh, and that's, um, yeah. So I, I definitely agree with, uh, experiences, the biggest key. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the right side of the bed to wake up on? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, I, for me, I'm a nomad, so I'm in a different place a lot of the time. And Mm -hmm. for me, it's like usually like the side of the bed that's closest to the bathroom because I always have to Ah. use the bathroom in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also just like, I don't know, whatever side is coziest. I don't suppose it really matters. Now that you mention it, like I'm I'm thinking about all the times I've, you know, if I was in a room that I just was, uh, like if I, if I had my bed with two sides and one side was closest to the door or something like Mm -hmm. that, I'd be sleeping on the side of the bed closest to the door. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. I mean, like I, like I said, I stay in Airbnbs all the time. I think when I'm at my own home, 
I sleep mm -hmm. on the left side of the bed, which I guess isn't the right side of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's it the wrong be. it's the wrong side of the bed but i'm usually in a good mood <laughs> okay well someone else so it's right but it's wrong right. it matters like what side of your body you're laying on mm -hmm. not necessarily if you're sleeping with someone else yeah <laughs> yeah i'm single so i take up the whole bed <laughs> you're just diagonal yeah. on there yeah I Man, as someone who has like a huge bed, eh, I I take up a sliver of my my huge bed. <laughs> I don't know why. I do it to myself. I'm like I have plenty of room, but I just take up the little bit. So I always have to constantly be like, am I still too close to the edge? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just so uh, used to sleeping on the single, you know, right. single bed. That'll happen yeah. too. Twin yeah. bed mentality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Alrighty. Last question, and arguably the most important. What is the best, worst movie ever made? Oh, um, okay, so that's a tough one because I'm a huge fan of B-movies. I love bad movies. In fact, I'm mm -hmm. constantly telling people, it's terrible. It's so good. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> but I think that probably one of my favorite bad movies is, and I don't think it's really bad. I think it's fantastic. That's why it's one of my favorites, but it's called <laughs> yeah. Repo, the genetic opera, and it's okay. a goth opera. So, you know, okay. there's like rock operas. This is a mm -hmm. goth opera. <laughs> mm, it's nice. super, super bloody and sick and wrong, but it's also a musical. Mm. Where can one wow. watch this movie? You can totally find it. Like, I don't know if it's on Netflix, but it's definitely on one of the streaming platforms. Or else I can always lend it to you. I do own it. <laughs> As I would <laughs> on imagine. DVD. Yes, of course. I love it. Um, and actually, um, well, you know Megan, deputy, right? She's one of my best friends. That's one of the ways we bonded because most people think it's not good. And when she and I met and we both were like, I love that movie. There you go. That's how we became <laughs> friends pretty much because it's not like the most um, appropriate for the masses, I suppose. Like it's yeah. super bloody and gross and violent and awesome. <laughs> it's a niche <laughs> film. Yeah, but I love I love a lot of bad movies. I mean, like even like, have you seen Krampus? No, but I watch I, it every. It's it. my favorite Christmas movie, and I watch it every Christmas. And every time I show it to somebody new, they're like, "That was terrible." <laughs> I like, love Let's it. Let's go I, watch Elf. I think it's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> so yes, I have excellent taste, but I also like really bad movies. Nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna usually yeah, we usually our our guests would be like, Oh, I don't wanna say any movies like, you know, because they're always like, I, I don't want to talk bad about anybody's creation and a hundred percent agree, but yeah, I mean I've I've seen some films where I'm like, <laughs> This was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but it was good at the same time. Yeah. 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 Like the original Suspiria, I love that movie. It's yeah. from like the early 70s or something like that. And the blood mm -hmm. looks so fake. It's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have a whole list of movies that you grade based on those types of things. Yeah. Where maybe we don't even think about that as much. But no, it's, it's, I'm sure with those movies you do. <laughs> maybe. I haven't seen the original Suspiria, unfortunately. I've seen the newest one. 
which yeah. was actually really good. I love the newest one. I mean, there's some stuff I could do without, like all the urine, but um, <laughs> right. I love the it score. It gets a little crazy. Yeah, I love the score so much that I've seen it like six times already because of the music. Yeah, what's that song? It's a famous band. I think the lead singer did a song for Suspiria. Oh, well, you're talking about Tom York. Tom York yeah, scored yeah, yeah. the whole movie. Yeah, from yeah. Radiohead. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. So naturally you would be yeah. in love with all of that. Oh, I think he's so brilliant. I mean, he's just amazing. Right. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, those are the 12 questions to best knowing you. Yes. How does it feel to be known? Oh, I feel so vulnerable right now, especially after discussing with you my love for B-movies. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> and the uh, so to delve into the not delve in 12, but the rest of the interview uh, to kick it off. How did you what you said you, you got into cosmetology early, right? That yeah. was the so you got into that early. Was that something you knew as a child you wanted to do or what was the um, well, no, not, not really. I think um I always knew I wanted to be an artist. I mm-hmm. surrounded myself with artists like from a very early age. So I started hanging out with musicians when I was super young. I mm-hmm. ran away with a band when I was like 14. And okay. um, so I was always around artists all the time. And I knew mm-hmm. that that's what I wanted in my life. Um, but I didn't really know how to go about it. So I lived with a bunch of hippies for the majority of my adolescence. Okay. And, Actually, yeah. And um, I started in a, a hair salon when I was 16 mm-hmm. and I was a receptionist. And then after being at that position for about a year, they were like, well, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> a kid. And so they talked me into apprenticing. So I apprenticed with them for several years to do hair. So when mm-hmm. you're an apprentice, it's really tough because you work for very little money, mm-hmm. but you're getting a free education. So it's a lot of work. Um, I worked six days a week at the salon and then had mm. classes once a week. So it was like, it was crazy, but mm-hmm. it was awesome because I got to, you know, figure myself out. I learned to cut hair, I learned to color hair. Then I started doing makeup for fashion shows. And mm-hmm. then, um, I guess when I was like 20, I decided to take a break because I had been working so hard, like for, you know, four and a half years at that salon. Yeah. Yeah. And I went into like club promoting and bartending. And um, when I was doing that, I started doing like performers makeup. Mm -hmm. And again, I didn't really believe in myself very much. So I didn't think I was really, you know, worth the money then Mm -hmm. one day you know a friend was like you you're too good you need to start charging people like she hired me to do Cirque du Soleil and I did like the Cirque du Soleil well it was like a one-time performance during winter music conference in Miami and so it was like one huge night of my career yeah Mm, (laughs) Um, that's huge which I still wish that I would have pursued you know a little bit more because I love circus people and I love circus makeup Um, but that was kind of the beginning for me into really like believing that I could do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and then when I moved to California shortly after that, um, I started getting asked to do everybody's thesis films at Chapman University. And mm-hmm. so then just hanging out with all these film students and stuff, I was like, man, why am I not in film school? Right. And obviously money is a thing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, uh, I started doing films with all of those guys. And then I was like the resident artist for that school for a while. And mm-hmm. then um, honestly, what's funny is I lived in California for seven years and I didn't actually start focusing on production work until moving to the Carolinas, which is so <laughs> funny. So, so opposite of what you would think. But um, when I first got to uh, Charlotte, I... I don't think I started doing working on films in Charlotte until about like five years ago. And mm-hmm. then since then, I, I mean, I've done like a lot of films. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I usually try to do like one feature to two features a year. But then since the pandemic, I have done like I think I've been part of 16 films, mm. which I think like nine of those were features and the rest of them were shorts. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've been really, really busy in the production side of my career. And that's what I have decided to put my focus into. Um, Mm -hmm. I still do a little bit of everything else. You know, I do commercials, I do weddings, I do events, the same type Mm -hmm. of thing that I did before. But now it's like, I don't know. I think I get, I feed my soul by, by like, being around other film people and being amongst that type of creative energy. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where my career is at now. Yeah. What I'm just looking at your long list of films here, <laughs> 10 of which are in post-production or complete, but not released, I suppose. What is it? You've talked about it a little bit, just being around film people. It kind of fills your tank. What do you think that is? Um, is it the mutual love of creating something together, or is it something maybe a little more specific for you that you love? Um, well, I think that it does have a lot to do with the fact that we all love film. Um, we all speak the same language pretty much. Like when I'm out in my regular every day, you know, I talk about films and music and my whole energy lights up and people are like, I don't get it. You know, <laughs> uh, when I'm on set and I start talking about a piece of music or a film I'm really into, everybody mm-hmm. gets it and everybody understands why I'm so radiant when I talk about these things that I love. Whereas like a lot of people don't have that same, you know, it's just, it's about passion for the arts, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we all become like family with each other. We work such long days together and sometimes for, you know, weeks or months at a time. And it's like almost like you become like family or roommates with like Mm -hmm. however many people. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that camaraderie and just absolute like forever bond that I, Mm -hmm. I can't get enough of. It's like a drug. It feels so good. And then, you know, for the most part, 
I do keep in touch with all of them. <laughs> like everybody that I ever mm-hmm. worked on set, they have my back forever. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. just, it's something really special. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, one of my favorite things about working on film is just meeting everybody and listening to their stories mm-hmm. and just, yeah, I, I, I love talking to everybody on set, probably to an annoying degree, because I could just be talking to, I don't know, the still photographer or a grip or whoever, and just talking about films or what they do uh, and why they do it. I'm just fascinated by everything. And yeah, like you said, it, it's uh, about the people and the camaraderie and everything. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, most definitely. And that's me too. I like to like meet everybody. I mean, I basically like try to learn everyone's names within the first week. And Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people that like only sticks with HMU. Like I'll like hang out with the PAs at lunch and camera and just like everybody because I I really genuinely love people. Mm -hmm. And I really do like to connect with people. I feel like that's one of the gifts I have is kind of I don't know, just being open to love a lot of people and like just mm-hmm. like you said, I want to hear everybody's story. I want to hear all about your life and, you know, how you decided to fall in love with the film. Like that's just how it is. So yeah. it's um, I don't know. It's not a, a job for me as much as it is just like it's my other world that I can go to and like be around my people. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so difficult to also have that as your source of income <laughs> and making a living because yeah. there's like two sides of it. You know, like you're saying, I think we all agree that we just love doing it. We would theoretically do it for 16 hours a day, five, six days a week. If we could somehow have the magic <laughs> hand of money, the money tree in our backyard that just rains down on us. But then it's that other side where you just, you also, because you're doing it so much, have to find a way to make a living with it. And that becomes the challenge, right? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's one of the reasons I feel so fortunate to have the variety I have in my career. Um, you know, I get to do everything and I, it's not like I have to do it. It's like, I get to do it. Like I get to do this for a living and super, super awesome and exciting. Mm-hmm. And there's never a dull minute. Like I love it. I really feel very, very lucky. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So as far as special effects and everything, does that have any, uh, do most of your favorite films have a lot of SFX in them? Um, well, I'm a dark person and I like a lot of horror movies. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of SFX. Um, but then I, I mean, I guess some of the stuff that I really like also is more a lot of practical effects too. It depends on, I guess it depends on the mood I'm in. I'm a really mm-hmm. big fan of um, Jean-Pierre Junet, who did Amelie and City mm-hmm. of Lost Children. Yeah. I feel like all of his films have been way ahead of their time as far as like special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm and he his movies are my favorite movies, and there's like very little violence and blood in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. I do love my violence and blood also. <laughs> um, so it really depends on what mood I'm in. Um, like I told you earlier, Bram Stoker's Dracula is amongst my favorite films of all time. Immortal mm-hmm. Beloved, another Gary Oldman film where he plays Beethoven. It's such a beautiful film. Wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful cast. Um, I have a lot of favorite movies. I love movies. I love yeah. movies. Yeah. For the most part, I don't use movies like an escape like a lot of people do. I like a lot of very dark, melancholy films. I like drama. I like, um, you know, uh, period pieces where the costumes are the main focal point. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends, but I'm not much for romantic comedies. I'm not mm-hmm. much for toilet humor. I, you just broke Trey's heart. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> my heart. He's a he's a I'm big rom com uh, fan. It's just not my cup of tea. I feel like it's so predictable, yeah. and I absolutely. I I did work on some romantic comedies that were just adorable, but again, like it's a formula that I just don't, you know, subscribe. It's probably to. more fun to work on than to watch. <laughs> Probably. Even me loving them, I would probably say that is a fair statement. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What's your favorite romantic comedy? How could you ask me? He's such running a complicated through the Rolodex question. right now. He's like, where do I begin? <laughs> well, one that just comes to mind because it's a classic is like When Harry Met Sally. That's like, a good one. It checks all the boxes for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Netflix has made a lot of bad ones lately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just can't they seem to keep getting worse, which is unfortunate, but that's like the spot where rom-coms live is streaming, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You know, there's just nothing that great lately. But um see, I'll yeah. watch any romantic comedies where Bill Murray is like a lead because yeah. I, I can get behind anything that Bill Murray's in. Mm. Like, I love Groundhog Day, which we mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I love Groundhog Day. That's a romantic comedy I watch, but... For sure. Yeah, kind of piggybacking on a rom-com. In my mind, my director mind that doesn't always think about every aspect of a project, maybe we're making a rom-com, maybe we're making a simple drama. Mm-hmm. We've got a cinematographer, we've got a gaffer, you know, we need lights, we need mm-hmm. someone helping out with that, the DP. We've got a PA because, you know, someone to get the coffee. <laughs> Maybe you got a script supervisor, you're thinking about someone checking the dialogue, making sure everything's right, continuity, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you get to hair and makeup and you're like, well, I mean, they're supposed to look like normal, like they're how they look. Mm-hmm. We're not making Friday the 13th. <laughs> We're not making Fast 9. So I guess we'll just kind of skirt it. by that one yeah. and save some money on the budget. <laughs> Let the actors take care of that one. Yeah, you have them show up, you know, camera ready. Mm-mm. What's no. Where do you, like, when do you come on board to a project and what's the importance of, hair and makeup, even with a a simple 
like you're supposed to look how you look type of thing? So I think that hair and makeup is extremely important. I think a lot of people don't realize how important the vanities quote unquote are because with, I mean, continuity alone, like Mm -hmm. continuity, heavy, everything for, Mm -hmm. for hair, makeup, wardrobe, like you do not want somebody's, you know, hair to be in one scene. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, like I notice continuity errors nonstop and I'm like, what the heck? Who was on monitor? (laughs) Like how, how did they let this happen? So (laughs) I feel like, um, the vanities, hair, makeup, wardrobe, so, so important. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I feel like, um, in some cases people, uh, don't recognize that and they think it's secondary and they don't let people, you know, they don't let the vanities get checks, last looks, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and that's a major mistake because once edited together, like there's a lot of material you can't use because of right. continuity errors and whatnot. And, um, and even if the director or whoever doesn't recognize it immediately, like hopefully in editing, it will be noticed. And mm-hmm. cause I mean, that's like, you know, major thing. Um, yeah. in it's some definitely cases noticed in editing. Yeah. In some <laughs> cases, people have asked me in the very beginning stages, because if it's a conceptual look or if it's, um, special effects or, you know, anything that's, that's major, then I usually get some, some part in that, in the whole, Mm -hmm. you know, um, not decision-making, but like that would usually be asked early on. Um, there've been a couple times when I feel like I've like begged to be on a project because I want to do stuff so bad. Like for instance, Mm -hmm. um, the night courier, which was, um, Tabitha and Mason McDonald, they're wonderful. And they, have done a lot of their own stuff for the most Mm -hmm. part. They've only done shorts and they were like, Oh, well we usually handle it. And I was like, no, please, you really need me. (laughs) Yes. You need me. Yeah. And I, I, you know, Tabitha tells me like, I played a big part in that because I assembled like a whole team of artists. We worked really fast and did all the blood and gore and beauty makeup and hair. Um, Mm -hmm. and they were just going to have all of that on the two of them while they're also the writer Mm -hmm. director, Mm -hmm. producer, everything, you know? And it's like, it's, it's also, you know, important in my opinion, because I've worked with a lot of people who want to be the writer, director, lead actor, everything, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's like, it's really important to delegate and to know that you can, trust your crew yeah um so that you're not overwhelming yourself because mm-hmm. nobody can perform to their best when they're spreading themselves too thin and yeah. so i think even though i like totally weasel weaseled my way into that film um they were grateful <laughs> that they had mm-hmm. you know my assistance and that they had my um expertise because i have been doing this a really long time mm-hmm. um and so hopefully that is one of my it's it is one of my favorite projects to date, but it is a short at this time. We're going to yeah. be showing it at the Foothills um, Film Festival this weekend. Mm, and then okay. I think in the very near near future, it will be turned into a feature film. 
Mm. And I will be honored to be a part of that as well. But honestly, anything with those guys, I am on board because they're amazing to work with and they do great horror. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, their production company is called Dark Red Horror. So check them out. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, as an actor, I highly want a hair and makeup person because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be thinking about that. I don't want to be dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my biggest things, and it's I've been on a few productions with hair and makeup. Most everything has been without it. So I've had to do it myself, which has caused issues with production um, just because it, I, I don't like to do it. Uh, anyways, the, I, I enjoy, uh, hair and makeup because they will tell me if I'm shiny or I'm like, my hair is completely messed up and it's out of place or whatever. And I'm like, if they come up to me and say something, I'm like, thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) And, uh, I always, so hair and makeup is like one of my favorite, they're my favorite people on set. (laughs) That's lovely to hear. And honestly, like if. Like I do a lot of like case studies and commercials and stuff. And when people are not that comfortable being on camera, I think mm-hmm. it's my job to make them comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it really makes a huge difference because later on, you know, like people don't have to do as much to fix color and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't share the story about the hornet's nest. Uh, we talked a little (laughs) bit about it in Andrew's episode, but we're making this short, which is really long, by the way. It's like (laughs) apparently now about 40 minutes or something. And we decided that we could shoot it in three days Mm. because, you know, naturally that's what you can do. And so we all head down to Augusta, Georgia and it's in the middle of the summer and we got a lot of people a lot of extras a lot of uh, featured extra supporting cast that type of stuff mm-hmm. maybe as much as 10 I, I can't remember the exact numbers now i try mm-hmm. to put that away from my head <laughs> <laughs> and, you and me both. we kind of get down <laughs> yeah we kind of get down to it and all these people need substantial hair and makeup work and wardrobe stuff. So <laughs> lo and behold, we got Jennifer there and of course she can do it. And I it's for me that was really eye opening to why they're all different departments? <laughs> Why not? Not only that, but definitely that, but also the time it takes to properly do things before even arriving to set. I haven't done that a lot, or especially not with that many people before. So that was a big learning lesson for me trying to ad that and coordinate I mean we were 20 minutes from set in a hotel and you were trying to get there to help out on set too and like talking about being pulled then you were like 
spaghetti string, <laughs> like thin <laughs> by the end of that. You and were very supportive and wonderful as a first AD. I really appreciate you. You <laughs> you did a lot more than your position well, too. I grabbed a makeup brush. I'll admit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Jennifer did everything. So when you see the hornet's nest, every single thing, visually, like for the period, that was Jennifer. Oh, you're very kind to say so. But yeah, there is definitely, there's a reason why we usually, if we can afford it, have a hair department, a makeup department, mm-hmm. and a costume department. And they're all separate departments. And don't yeah. take offense to this, but heterosexual men have a tendency to think <laughs> that one person should be able to do all of it. Mm. Yeah. But it's not. It's not the same. Mm. It's not the mm. same thing. It's it's actually quite a lot of work. But it was still a great experience. And Trey and I really bonded on that one. <laughs> I think this was like our fourth film or something, or third film together. But this was yeah. like our bonding time. <laughs> a lot of times you bond through the tribulations of tough situations. This is true. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was fun yeah. anyway. Just as we, because we could dive in and I'd love to dive in further, but, you know, perhaps another episode we could. What's like the general structure? Like what's your role like if you're just doing, let's say, hair or makeup? Like when you get that ideal situation where all the departments are kind of broken out like that. Mm -hmm. What's your go-to and kind of what's the day-to-day on set? Um, Well, I do pretty in-depth breakdowns before we start shooting. I usually do like one or two. And then that way everything is, you know, I have like notes on every character. Um, In a perfect world, um, you know, we, we have the talent go through hair, go through makeup, go through wardrobe, fly to set for me I like to have like somebody else I work with and that way Mm -hmm. when one of us is still working on talent the other person can fly to monitor and that way we have somebody with eyes on monitor all the time um and then you know it depends on the project like I just did uh right before Hornet's Nest actually did two features back to back in Charlotte and we had two people for hair, two people for makeup and like six people for wardrobe. So uh, we had mm. like a hefty um crew. Yeah. And was that county line? Yes. Yes, I'm actually really excited about um I think that they're going to be premiering all in um I think next month on INSP. Okay. So I'm super stoked on that. I didn't April. think it was going to be my cup of tea, but I really mm-hmm. loved working on that. Yes. Um, and so the way that, that my partner and I divided it was he would have some of the cast and I would have the rest of the cast. And then while, you know, I would follow around the talent that I was responsible for and he mm-hmm. would do the same so that that way we delegated you know, different makeups to different artists. And we weren't like constantly being like, where do I go? There's this happening. We have two, um, you know, two units. So we Mm -hmm. had two scenes being shot at the same time. Like, how are you supposed to split yourself up? You know, so it can be tricky, but I think it's important to have a crew that you can rely on and um, really good communication. Mm -hmm. So if there's like, 
two people covering all of hair and makeup, then somebody should always be on monitor to watch for flyaways, shiny foreheads, and so forth. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's only one of us, which can be a little tricky, (laughs) it's it's overwhelming at times, you know, and um, because we can only be in one place at at one time. So it's tricky, but I feel like... I've gotten to the point where I usually just like hire really good assistants and then Mm -hmm. they can kind of be my eyes on monitor or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever else I need them for. Mm -hmm. Depends on the project, depends on the budget. Yeah. 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 I'm not union, so typically I'm on low budget movies. Right. Which I kind (laughs) of love, you know. Yeah. I prefer indie films to bigger productions, but... Um, you do always have to keep in mind that you're going to be wearing a lot of hats, you know, mm-hmm. on an indie feature. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, advice as we wrap up here would you give to anyone that's maybe wanting to pursue the hair, makeup, wardrobe? I think you had a word for that earlier that you mentioned. Vanities. Yeah, vanity. Uh, vanity careers. Yeah, for, for people who are interested in getting into... Um, I mean, it's different for everybody. I always recommend, like, doing some, you know, free work. Like, if people want to assist me because they want to get into the field, I'm always open to that. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there's some diva, like, artists out there, but I'm not one of them. So I'm always like, <laughs> if you're interested in trying to get in come assist me then when I'm not available I can recommend you or whatever yeah um Mm -hmm. there's always like apprenticeships internship type opportunities with um wardrobe you can always PA wardrobe PA um Mm -hmm. and it depends like I feel like everybody's journey is a little bit different but everybody's gonna have some like crappy terrible films mm-hmm. that they're barely getting used I mean getting paid for um everyone's gonna probably have that at some point in their career in order to build their experience mm-hmm. um and I don't know I guess a lot of it just comes down to being humble and taking feedback taking advice yeah yeah because some yeah, people that's- aren't very good at taking advice <laughs> no. or feedback not at all that never <laughs> everyone, happens. everyone's fantastic at it <laughs> no i yeah i i think those are those are good points and i think it harkens back to what you said about experience on set and getting your hands on work and just getting into it and being excited about it rather yeah. than just reading about it and um you know as an actor you can sit here and read uh, all of the acting books, but it it won't. It actually happens. The learning happens when you are doing it, not when you're reading about it. Um, so I think you know that may be the same exact case for hair and makeup. Is little tips and tricks you just won't learn unless you get your hands on. Yeah, I think it's important for people to do some like jobs where they're just assisting because that's where they'll learn like set etiquette and things of that nature 
Mm-hmm. Um, so even if somebody's like, I went to special effects school and I, you know, I've been doing my friend's makeup for years and it's like, well, do you know what all these terms mean? <laughs> do you know mm-hmm. what this department right. does? Do you know what, you know, all of these other things that like maybe you hear something on the walkie and you're like, what on earth did they just say? Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of important just to like get the feel for it and to learn about set etiquette. So I think, I think assisting is probably like the smartest thing for people to do. I'm sure that they teach you some of that stuff. If you go to like, you know, hair school, hair, I mean like film, whatever. I don't know what it would be called. Like you go to film (laughs) school for hair makeup or whatever. I'm sure they Mm -hmm. would teach you some of that stuff, but it's all different when you're in it. Yeah, and being an assistant is fairly low risk in terms of for sure. If you mess up, the whole look of the project's not in jeopardy. The whole thing's on your your head. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So, where can people find you uh, to reach out? Um, I am really bad at marketing myself, and <laughs> I here's your chance. I don't have a website. I basically just do. Um, you know, a lot of people find me through Instagram, um, mm-hmm. which my Instagram is, it's avant-garde makeup artist. Um, so it's A-V-A-N-T-E dot G-A-R-D-E dot M-U-A. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. changed it recently because people didn't understand my uh, old Hollywood references. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I usually just refer people to my Instagram for examples of my work. Um, there's a link to my reel on there as well. So it has some more of my like video stuff, film stuff that I've worked on. And then my IMDB, I tend to send people the link for that a lot just because that will show a little bit more of the body of my work. However, Mm -hmm. a lot of the films I've worked on are not on my IMDB yet. So I want to say there's probably like five that are not shown up yet. Wow. Mm. But at least it gives you an idea of some of the people I've worked with and stuff. I um, have worked with some really amazing directors and some really amazing writers. And um, I feel so fortunate for the last couple of years, the amount of experience that I've gotten. So I will be eventually making a website that shows more of my stuff. But for right now, people can look at my IMDb, my reel and my Instagram. Nice. I love your Instagram, by the way. Oh, thank you so very much. It's been tough because for the last two years, I've been only doing films and commercials. And as you know, I can't really post stuff from those Mm. experiences. So not everything you'd want. Yeah, so I haven't really produced any new content as of late, but I I will definitely come up with some stuff soon. And um yeah, got a lot of great movies coming out soon, so yeah. That's exciting. I can't wait to see Rush Call, Hornet's Nest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I mentioned the Night Courier. Um, yeah. There's so many good projects that I've worked on lately, so I'm really excited about a lot of that stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you guys so much for having me. I really feel so flattered 
And um, it's been really wonderful meeting you, Ken, and yes. getting to see Likewise. your face, Trey. Give your beautiful <laughs> wife my love. I will. I certainly will. And yeah. thanks for taking the time to come on with us. It means a lot. You're our first hair and makeup artist. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. we're trying to dive into all the different areas of filmmaking and kind of shine a little light on what it takes and mm-hmm. thank you so much i'm honored to be here thank you so much later and that'll do it for today's episode jennifer hopefully you really enjoyed this conversation with her and learned a lot about hair and makeup uh, i know i did uh, a lot of things she talked about i didn't really think about too much right. uh but you know Hair and makeup is one of my favorite people on set. Like as an actor, I don't want to pay attention to whether my hair looks good or not. So anytime someone's hair and makeup on set, I know I'm in good hands. <laughs> Absolutely. And from a directing standpoint or even producing uh, or even ADing perhaps, just knowing that there's someone there handling that portion of the production is so important and crucial because... Like she talks about, you can only stretch yourself so far and wear so many hats before everything just comes crashing down. So mm-hmm. to have that dedicated person or team, uh, several people working on those roles is yeah usually important. And I think she really uh, established why. And it was fun to talk to her about that and how much she just loves film. Mm-hmm. and yeah. that camaraderie that there is when all of us get together I think that's why being on set so much fun and so addicting mm-hmm. is that you can do that with like-minded people yeah well we hope you enjoyed today's episode everyone and if you want to connect with me and Trey on the Instagrams you can go follow on Instagram at set of vibes cast yes on Insta, and then you can send us an email about how much you love hair and makeup and how desperately I need it at <laughs> Cinevibes Cast as well. And let us know your hot takes on hair and makeup. Yeah, let us know if you've ever thought about how important that role is on set, or if you just think everyone wakes up looking amazing. Mm-hmm. Just like Trey, every single morning. Like mm. he's in, I don't know, Groundhog Day or something yes. like that. I just levitate <laughs> out of the bed, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> but that will do it for today's episode. Thank you so much. And we are... <laughs>